1: And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where
2: we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take your questions on being invited to school events for your child when the school is out of state, handling a work issue that doesn't involve you, what should a widower call his former in-laws, and where to put your clutch at a crowded table.
2: Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment straight out of our Business Etiquette Seminar Series.
1: For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about rehearsal dinners and going out for drinks after.
2: All that's coming up.
1: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute.
2: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey. I hope that you were able to enjoy the long Memorial Day weekend.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I did. It was actually a fun one because we have a big marathon that happens here in Burlington, and some of our awesome Etiquette listeners were running in the marathon, and when one of them had let me know that, I was able to make a sign for her, and she saw it during the marathon, and she was too tired to to stop and say hi or anything, and of course, she's running a marathon, but we met up for coffee uh, with her and her husband the next day, and it was really nice just to get to know listeners and to hear what their thoughts are on Emily Post today day and how they're liking interacting with our Instagram pages and our podcast and where they see etiquette in their lives. So it was one of those just really fun moments where you do, you get to meet folks who've been following what you're up to and kind of on the other end of that conversation. Because you and I get to talk all the time about what we experience on the show and this and everything, but it's really different when you get to hear straight from the audience.
1: I saw all the runners. It caught me completely off guard, but it was kind of fun because... Downtown Burlington was full of people. Church Street was packed. There you can't were, get anywhere. <laughs> we were so lucky. I was with Pooch. She has has a certain magic when it comes to parking spaces. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we ended up with a perfect spot right in the garage. And Anisha also loves street performers, fiddles yeah. and guitars and people singing. And she Very was talking cool. about it. Now she wants a guitar. Nice.
2: There was a lot of interesting etiquette that came up. I had a, a group of people come and stand right in front of the sign I had made for Sarah. And they were strangers to the property that we were on. And so it was really nice when they were then kind of asked, hey, do you mind moving over a little bit so you're not blocking the sign that we made? Like, we'd really like the person who's running to see it. And I noticed uh, they did have a lot of volunteers helping to pick up bottles and and trash and litter and stuff like that. At the house I was at, we finally just put our recycling bins, like, at the bottom of the driveway because people— Really nice. They just throw stuff. And it was that was one of the really sad things is I was like, you know, unless you're in that head lead position, like, is it really going to be that hard to not litter on the way through the race? But I don't know. I'm not a runner. I don't know. Well, I'm a runner, but not a marathon runner. I don't know what it's like at mile 17 when you can't think anymore. And literally, like, you don't even know that the water bottle didn't make it into the receptacle or, you know, like, or that the person behind... I saw a lot of people, like, kind of crash into each other a little bit. One person was really upset with some of the signs in the neighborhood. They were political and they were really upsetting some of the runners and one of the runners like started trying to yell at the people at the house. And when she turned around to do that, almost really took out the person behind her and had startled her. And that person said, Whoa, like you really just scared me. And it was just, you know, being someone who talks about behavior and interaction in public spaces a lot. I was like, wow, like that's a moment. And I had a, uh, a kindness lives hashtag Emily post sign up as well. and, One thing I found really interesting was that you would see these people yell at this one household that had all these political signs up, and then they would be like, wow, we really like your message, and I was kind of like – but you're not being kind to people that you disagree with like and what does that mean like it's the hardest thing to do to let someone else have beliefs and share them and live them and it's really really hard to do that and where do you place your emphasis on how you combat that both publicly and privately it was really interesting I had one person state what type of town they thought Burlington was and that that's the reason why those people shouldn't have signs up on their lawn and I was like I'm pretty Sure, that's like not allowing people to have free speech and free opinions. <laughs> and it was really interesting. Really, really interesting.
1: That's not where I expected running etiquette to go. Me
2: either. But it was really, I mean, a lot of people running through an area, and it was really interesting to see like where that tied to kindness and politeness and where it was being executed and where it wasn't. <laughs> well, shall we run into some questions? Uh, ha 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 ha.
1: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or send a text to 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your message and we'll answer your question on the sustaining member page.
2: Our first question is titled, Out of State School Meet and Greet.
1: Lizzie and Dan, my husband's company is relocating us out of state, and we will be moving sometime in July. We have visited the state we are moving to and have applied for schools for our 15-year-old daughter. She has chosen a charter private school. We have just received an evite to a class of 2022 parents' cocktail party at one of the teachers' homes. It's a kindergarten teacher. Our daughter will be going into the 10th grade. Sadly, we can't make it because it's on a Monday night and we can't fly out there. I'm wondering if I should send something to the hostess to show appreciation for the generosity and to show that I would very much like to be a part of the school family, etc. What do you think? Is it a good idea to send a gift of some sort? If so, what do you think I should send? Thank you so much for your help. Kristen
2: Kristen, very cool on your move, and so glad that your daughter found a school that that she's interested in going to. That's always a good thing. Big hurdle. Um, I mean, I know it's not college, but it is a big hurdle, and moving can be nerve-wracking and stuff. I think it's so cool that the school does this, and clearly it's a large community since you've got a kindergarten teacher hosting everyone, it seems like, coming in. Um, all the way up through 10th graders, at least. I think it's really great, but you do not need to send a gift to this. Just send your regrets. You could send a note just saying how nice it was. And, you know, as as a family that's moving to this area, you really would have liked to have attended or to attend or that you'd like to, to attend or help out with these things in the future. If you're so willing, only offer what you're willing to do. But there's no need for a gift here. I, in fact, I think a gift would probably be over the top.
1: I like your approach. I love the idea of mentioning Keep me on the list for future events like this. I'm really excited to be a part of the school community. Never underestimate the power of your words to communicate well what it is you're thinking and feeling. Sometimes we're looking for that perfect gift, that perfect gesture. And just saying what you mean is often a really good choice.
2: Kristen, we hope that helps and good luck with the move.
1: Our next question is about an awkward work situation.
2: Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I could use some help with a sample script for a rather sticky situation I've found myself in. I recently took a job at a local nonprofit where I am in charge of event planning. One of my first projects is a big event happening later this summer, which involves coordinating with a couple of different city government offices for permits and other activities. At the event, one of these departments will be hosting a booth, in order to interact with guests and get the word out about their work. The head of this department, let's call her Pam,
1: I love that. (laughs) Thank you, Parks and Rec.
2: (laughs) used to work at my organization before my time and did not leave on good terms. I haven't been working with Pam directly on this project, but I am working closely with one of her direct reports to coordinate this booth. I won't go into details, but suffice to say that our organization's leadership has made it very clear that Pam is not welcome at our event for a variety of reasons and that other staff from her department will need to be there to host the booth instead. How can I gently and respectfully approach this subject, and who is the correct person for me to talk to about this, Pam or the person I've been working with? I haven't heard that Pam is definitely planning to work the booth, but based on the size of their department and the scope of the event, I think there is a very good likelihood of this happening. So it will need to be addressed. I want to be considerate of the department members' schedules and ensure that they are able to plan appropriately for the event, so I feel like I should have this conversation sooner rather than later." It's an awkward situation for me since I don't have any personal connection to this conflict. However, I do have a professional interest in following the directions of my organization's leadership, so I would really appreciate some assistance with determining the right tone and words for communicating this in a professional way that conveys consideration, respect, and honesty. With gratitude caught in the middle.
1: Oh, I have so much sympathy for this situation. This is not comfortable. Mm -hmm. It is... A really difficult position that you've been put in by your directors in this case who have asked you to do something that I think is going to be hard to execute.
2: This, this is like where my – I, I claim that this is my youngest brain thinking, like my youngest child brain thinking and just like don't want to deal with it, get out of dealing with it. But I kind of think it's on the leaders of the organization to talk to Pam or Pam's department about this because – as our listeners said he or she is caught in the middle they are not they were not here when this was an issue it's not their thing i could see them coming back and maybe saying yeah that's nice but you have to deal with it but at least ask yeah i Do
1: you really think so? yeah okay. and i really find myself struggling between two imperatives here one is based on the information in this question i think it's really hard to ask this woman or her organization not to have her there right unless there's a very specific thing, something that was so about it, what had happened before yeah. that is anticipated to really be a problem.
2: Like it was so egregious and and it would rear its head in this environment, you know.
1: Exactly. And, and I can think of a few things that would rise to that level of a problem that – they would require you to in the future have a policy about this person even being on site or on the premises but without something like that in place without some kind of directive from HR organizational policy
2: restraining order
1: and I'm my I'm mind's going to those here. places <laughs> like, I think it's really hard to say well it, it'd be great if you came and set up a booth but these employees of yours aren't welcome this here
2: one person no
1: and at the so, same time there dark. is this issue of you've been asked to do this right and I also really appreciate the awareness that timing is important, that if you just ignore it, you could end up with things coming to a head in a moment, and that could be really difficult, either with your leadership saying something like, didn't you do this? We knew this would be a problem. Why didn't you take the action that we asked you to take? Yeah. Or this other person showing up and being asked to leave. The awkwardness is so intense, it makes me want to retreat from the whole question. I
2: know, right? I think
1: talking to your leadership about how uncomfortable or difficult it's going to be to do this – is the step that I would think of as the first step here.
2: See, I go a little bit of a different direction with that step. I wouldn't say talking to them about how uncomfortable it is for you, because I think that that will just put them off on your ability to like handle tasks and do things. But I do think that saying something like, because I wasn't here for the conflict and it, it really wasn't something that I was any anywhere close to or a part of or understood – It would help me a lot if one of you would be willing to convey to Pam's department that while the rest of the booth can be there and, you know, who's there, that Pam is not welcome based on the past relationship because that really is between you all and it would help a lot. If you are not comfortable doing that, I will simply ask whether or not Pam is planning on attending the event, and we'll start there. Once you get an answer to whether or not Pam is planning on heading the booth, now you can go back to your leadership and say, I found out she is, I found out she isn't, and then you can kind of proceed from step two. And I would, again, if it's that she is, I would ask leadership to step in and say something, and if they're not willing to, then I think you are in a really tough position. And at some points, that's where you play that card and you say, hey, Billy, I'm in a really tough position. Pam used to work here. You know, there's not good blood between these folks and they really would prefer her not to work the booth. We understand that. We don't have complete control, or that's the other thing. Is you do kind of have to find out how much control you actually have about preventing Pam from being. I mean, is this a public event? Is it a government event? I, I just, I don't know the organizations. I don't know who's paying for what. If you pay for a booth, is anyone really allowed? Say. To? Exactly, and so just not knowing those kind of things, it's really hard to give our listener some real leverage and and saying, like, this is why. But I do think if the answer comes back, yes, and leadership isn't willing to deal with it, you need to talk with the person you've been coordinating with and just say, listen, this is going on and I'm not certain how we should handle it. If there's a way you could suggest to Pam not to show up, that would be great. If you don't think that will go over well, then we need to strategize about how to prevent any dust ups, blow ups, inter altercations, whatever it is. If you feel like you can extend the whys as to what people are concerned about, is it drinking? Is it uh certain types of behavior? Is it I mean, what is it that they're so worried is gonna happen here? That's I think you gotta get at that. And that worry really is the leadership's worry. I need to like that's that's the leadership's worry, you know?
1: There are three things that I really like that you've done here. The first is You've given some sample scripts, which is what Caught in the Middle has asked for, and from our master of sample scripts, I really like the direction that you're headed. It might not be exactly word say. for word. <laughs> everything not
2: the best sample scripts this time.
1: <laughs> no, and. As is always the case with sample scripts, they have to be modified. They have to make sense coming out of the mouth of whoever is saying them. It's, and
2: there's a lot here we don't know, which makes it hard to deliver something really specific on this one.
1: And it's going to depend on your relationship with the people involved, the personalities of the people involved. Oh, yeah. Whatever you say has to be internally coherent, makes sense to you to come out as sincere and genuine. And that's going to be important. But I like the sentiment that you're getting to. I like how the first place you go is to the people that have made this request of you. Mm -hmm. You're asking if there's something they can do to help because you're not in a great position to execute that request well. Mm -hmm. If there isn't anything they can do, you're asking for more information so that you can proceed in a way that, again, leaves you equipped to, to deal with it and to know what's going on. I like the way you're thinking about your point of contact in that other organization as another place that you can go. This is the organization that's going to be bringing the booth. Yeah. This is the person you've been talking to. You can say, listen, this is the situation I'm in. You should know about it and maybe you can help. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I I, I like that escalation process. I also like the way that you're finally pivoting and transitioning and looking towards the future, saying – What is it exactly that we're trying to prevent here? And maybe there are things that we can do to help your organization keep those things from happening. Or maybe there are even things you can do on your side. Maybe the conflict is with someone in a neighboring booth and it's just going to be the arrangement of booths that allows strong personalities to have some space from each other. But thinking about what's happening and also planning for some contingencies, whatever the outcome that you're able to negotiate is – makes a lot of sense and should be part of your approach
2: caught in the middle you definitely are and we feel for you this is not an easy one and you're smart to be getting ahead of the game
0: what party are you talking about don't tell me you haven't heard Susie summers is giving a party saturday night the social set of our class i thought you'd be asked mary we used to know Susie real well and you live in the same street and everything we used to get together when we were in junior high but i haven't seen her much lately Well, she'll probably ask you. Maybe she won't ask, Marion. I heard she was giving all the invitations out today.
2: Our next question is titled, Widower with New In-Laws.
1: Hi, I've been a widower for the last eight years. I've stayed quite close to my late wife's family, mother and siblings, and always refer to them as my in-laws. Now I'm getting remarried. My fiancé's parents are still alive, so they will now be my in-laws. However, my fiancé has also become quite close to my late wife's family. Is there a term for what to now call my late wife's family other than ex-in-laws or my late wife's family, which is quite a mouthful?
2: No official term here. This is one of those things where mouthfuls happen, I think. Um, I, I think it just depends on what feels natural in the moment. I could see you saying things like late wife's family, first wife's family, or second wife's family. I don't know if that was first or second wife. Um, In-laws from my first marriage. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I do too. And again, it it is a mouthful, but that's who these people are. And I don't like X because nobody likes X. For those who knew your late wife, I would use names. These are Karen's parents, Heather and Tim. And these are Kim's parents, Marcus and Janine. You know, it's like very just...
1: That personalizes things yeah, in a way. And
2: when you're in that moment, I'm picturing these folks going to weddings together and things like that and, and places where these groups might have multiple crossovers or something. And you might have both sets of your in-laws there. All those who know you knew your first wife likely. And so it's okay to just refer to her and say, you know, oh, this was Karen's parents or these were Karen's parents. And obviously it then shows you're still close. You don't have to go into details about how you stayed in touch afterwards. Like just that's who they are.
1: (laughs) The ease and familiarity with which you deliver this is going to be a big part of how it's received. And it really speaks highly of you that you're able to maintain these relationships, Mm -hmm. that they continue to be important and valuable in your life, that you're able to introduce people that are now really important to you to people that have been really important to you in the past and it's so often the case with introductions or identifying people that the biggest hurdle is just deciding to do it and then going for it
2: exactly anonymous we hope that makes introductions a little bit easier and congratulations on your upcoming wedding
0: everywhere you go your manners are with you and they leave their mark they help you feel sure of yourself too And they make an impression on people, on everyone you meet.
1: Our next question is a classic. Our listener wonders, where do I put my purse?
2: Dear Lizzie and Dan, I've been enjoying your show since almost the beginning and feel like I've learned so much. I look forward to each episode. Please keep them coming. I hope that you can help me with a little question. My husband and I attend a lot of dinners, receptions, etc. related to our work and community volunteer activities. And I usually choose to take a very small shoulder bag that I can either wear if I am standing or hang on my chair if I am seated. I recently bought a small clutch-style handbag, think Kate Middleton, that looks great with many outfits, but what do I do with it when I eat? If we were seated at a table, I can't hang it on the chair. I really don't want to put it on the floor where it might get dirty or stepped on, and setting it on the table seems less than ideal, too. Even if I felt confident putting it on the table, sometimes the place settings are so close together that I don't really know how to squeeze it in. Please help me use this beautiful Confidently and thoughtfully. Yours, Helen G.
1: Helen, thank you for this question. This comes up not infrequently, particularly when we're teaching dining etiquette. This is one of those, it's on the slide because you anticipate it coming at some point during the talk questions. Everything that you talk about is an option, but you want to avoid certain things. I like that you're trying to stay away from putting it on the table. Mm -hmm. That's a good thought. It's also a good thought that you don't necessarily want to put anything on the floor that you don't really have to. Sometimes a bag is big enough that even hanging it on the back of a chair is impossible. Mm -hmm. It's something that you have with you and it's what you have to do. If that's the case, you just try to minimize or eliminate entirely taking your hands down to your bag or to the floor and then bringing them back up to the table. You just bring it, put it down, when the meal's over, pick it up again and that's your, your compromise if that's what you're dealing with. It's one of the reasons that some people prefer a smaller handbag. You can still carry a couple essential items, but it's not as much to manage. And one of those places having less to manage can be convenient is you can put it on your lap during dinner or you can even tuck it just behind you if there's space on the chair and the chair isn't
2: backless basically like on the lower part. fall out
1: behind you over the course of the meal, but you can kind of tuck away a little clutch Mm -hmm. in those moments. I really like the idea of having a bag that's small enough to do that because it keeps you from having to hang it on the back of your chair. Or put it on
2: the floor. (laughs)
1: Events that are a little more formal where that's going to kind of break up the aesthetic of the table a little bit. It's not ideal. This is a question that's come up enough that people have even sent us mechanical solutions. We had a company that invented a little hook that went on the side of the table that they were hoping we could suggest people use. We didn't think it was a great idea. Not for to
2: formal, for sure, yeah.
1: Bring your own hardware so that you can hang your bag off yeah. the edge of the table. They're
2: awesome for when you're just stopping off at a bar to have a drink after work or, you know, you're at a restaurant that doesn't have those hooks under the table or something like that. But once you're actually at a table table, that's where I start to just feel like it's a little and then it's like getting in the way of people's legs and it's awkward. So that's not a a great solution. You can also tuck a little tiny clutch, though, right kind of under your leg if you want to make sure it's not going to fall out. Um, I like the on your lap with the napkin over it. Personally, that's that's one I tend to go to. This is also why I try to never need to carry a clutch if I can help it. It's funny because you were saying like, oh, it's so great. It's a small bag. But it actually does present problems. It's it's a small bag that has no way for you to hold it unless you get one with a wristlet and hold a drink as well as shake hands and get this. So oftentimes ladies end up having to clutch them under armpits and then you're you know doing the like – T-Rex chicken, chicken wing, wing thing uh, with the drink in one hand so you have your right hand free to drive but you are squeezing to hold the clutch and then you know someone offers you something that looks good and you know those servers never come around again so you're like winging it and clutching it and it's a thing um, but they're elegant purses they are really convenient they do tend to really go nicely for very formal events where you kind of don't want a shoulder strap it's, it's like one level of utility not like not cool. I don't know how to say it. I don't know because it's a style thing we're talking about here a little bit in that regard. But now you have to deal with it. What do I do with it? And you are right. You don't put it on the table. That's the place that clutches don't belong. I have a tendency to do that because I'm just very casual and I have to remind myself in a really formal situation to not do that.
1: Helen, I am now picturing you and Kate Middleton talking about clutches. I'm sure that you're going to find an elegant solution.
2: You see, Chuck, it's
1: easy to do the right
0: thing if you remember courtesy, consideration of others, and common sense. And also remember, you're here not to see how much or how fast you can eat, but to have a good time.
2: Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, and feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802 858 KIND. That's 802 858 5463. Or reach out via Twitter. We are at Emily Post Inst. Or on Facebook, where we are both Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know. We have your permission to put your comment or question on the show.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
2: Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
1: It's time for our feedback segment, where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we got a piece of feedback about gym and hosting.
2: So this was the question where guests were coming in from out of town for a long weekend and the host has a really great gym schedule that they want to stick to. And is it OK for them to take two hours to go do something? And we said, yes, but you really want to plan it carefully and you don't want it to make it feel like your, your guest is being left behind. But, you know, you, you can make plans for these kinds of things <laughs> when you have guests.
1: Hi L and D, I have feedback on the last episode about gym and hosting. I hate to say it, but I do think this is rude. Leaving your guest to go to the gym for two hours, I would encourage the host to find an activity that interests the guest too, and do it together, like going on a hike or a walk or a bike ride, if it would be appropriate. Just some ideas.
2: I like that. Me I too. like this as a thought of how can we do both. How can we make both things work? How can I get my exercise and feel like I'm sticking to what I need? We see this in food as well, which is how can I stick to my diet and have everyone over for this holiday weekend or something like that? And I just I think those are really just great moments where you're trying to think of how could it be all inclusive as opposed to divide and conquer.
1: It's a great impulse to put your own needs on the back burner just a little bit to really take care of your guests but also to look for a solution that makes everybody happy. Could you invite them to come with you to the class? Even just that invitation, whether they take you up on it or not, starts to make it a more inclusive thing as opposed to something where I'm going to disappear for two hours in the middle of a visit. We had talked a little bit during this question about whether or not you could reschedule, whether you could slide your gym time to Friday just before they get there or Monday just after they leave that – You could also try to rearrange your schedule so that you're able to continue to do that thing that you love without taking that time away from the people that have come to see you.
2: I try to do the – because I like running early in the morning, I try to get my run in before the household's awake. And that way I just let them know you'll hear me get up and run out the door but please sleep in. And I'm usually back showered and everything ready to go by the time it's kind of like that 8 a.m. people are stirring thing. Anonymous, thank you so much for the feedback.
1: Our next piece of feedback had to do with gifts for the boss.
2: Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I love the podcast. It has truly changed my behavior and thoughts, and I cannot thank you enough for introducing me to etiquette. Well, we were happy to make the introduction. I recommend it to others and bring it up in conversation all the time. Thank you. I also purchased your wedding etiquette book a few months ago, and I'm feeling a lot more confident as I plan my upcoming wedding than I would have otherwise. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that.
1: And congratulations.
2: I have some feedback on the question of giving a birthday gift to your manager. I disagree with your suggestion that employees could buy their manager a gift if they were especially close or could ask their coworkers if they were interested in doing a group gift to the manager. The general rule, in quotes, that gifts should only flow downward from a manager to an employee is to protect both employees from feeling pressure to spend their paychecks buying presents for the manager and to protect the manager from any possible situation where they could be perceived to be giving favor to those who buy them presents. As an employee, I have been asked to contribute multiple times to gift for my managers, and I have felt obligated to contribute each time. Even if everyone was encouraged to sign the card, not just those who contributed money, I would feel pressured. I work hard for my paycheck, and I'm not comfortable buying gifts for my bosses who I know make considerably more than, more money than I do. Thanks again for the excellent podcast. Kind regards, Vicky.
1: Vicky, thank you for this feedback. I couldn't have stated any better the purpose for the general guideline or rule that gifts flow down the hierarchy in an organization (laughs) and not up. Yeah you are absolutely correct in your thinking and understanding about why that rules in place and that helps you observe it in ways that make sense
2: the place where we say that there are exceptions to this rule are because especially in in arc In American culture, I feel like there are a lot of relationships that are like or a lot of companies that really are one or two or three people on a staff and that's it. And there is much more a sense of camaraderie. And even with the paycheck differences that can happen there, sometimes those relationships are ones we do want to honor. I think about people who it's just them and a personal assistant. And there just really can be enough of a bond between the two people that the personal assistant or the person, you know, who's who's just the other person at the company really would like to purchase that and do that and make that connection. And so we leave the room for that type of experience because so many have written into us saying, I don't want this to feel rude. In fact, it feels like it would be rude if I didn't. That's something I don't want people to f- ever feel like even if you have an incredibly tight bond, you should still be able to understand each other's working relationships enough to know that no this isn't something I would accept as a as a boss to my from my employee or as an employee no that's just not something I feel comfortable ever giving to my boss like I'm happy to acknowledge birthdays by saying happy birthday but I cannot cross that line of buying a present even though this person buys me presents for my birthday or for christmas there needs to be a place for that to be okay too so it's like you got to have the, the the place for it to be OK for the exchange to happen in the relationships that it feels really appropriate and OK and both parties feel comfortable with it. And then you really want to have in place the standard of no, gifts don't flow up the chain at a company because of all the reasons Vicky stated.
1: There are other common pitfalls around gift giving at work, gifts that are too personal. Oh, yeah. Or gifts that are too expensive and start to really step outside of what is reasonable in a professional situation or context there are all kinds of ways to do this wrong and the clarity that you have about why these general guidelines are in place really helps to navigate that gray area where you're trying to make smart choices and figure out what's okay
2: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. That's A-W-E-S-O-M-E-E-T-I-Q-U-E-T-T-E at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, we're going to hear what Dan's been up to when he's out on the road teaching business etiquette seminars. It's funny, but when we talk about business etiquette seminars, I think people imagine us coming in for a very formal experience. Mm -hmm. And our business etiquette seminars are so based in relationship building at work and solving the relationship problems that you have. People who don't talk nicely to each other, people who, you know, take credit for work that isn't there, people who are interrupting or having disruptive behavior that while it's not egregious enough to fire, it's annoying and it it interrupts meetings or processes or timelines and deadlines. And it's really funny. But I almost feel like we have to rename our business etiquette series because it's just it isn't what you expect. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Lizzie Post, I think you're so right about the impression that some people have when they hear business etiquette seminar. Yeah. Sometimes the eyes roll back in the head. People are thinking, I can't believe I'm going to spend half a day doing this. And when I walk through the door, I have to be aware that that might be some of the the perception or thinking, and that's what I've got to deal with right off the bat,
2: guys or audience, I should say. Uh, Dan's being really modest. He has to like he has to go up against that every single time he does a seminar. Almost he has to break down the stigma of what etiquette is to people. I feel like you go into battle in the first like fifteen minutes and you win them over. I'm going to use the word with your charm and your grace and your knowledge, but like it's true. <laughs>
1: I appreciate that. Half of the way that I challenge myself is I am aware that there's a battle mentality and I say to myself, no, 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 no.
2: It's not like that. It's not like that.
1: (laughs) I get to be a covert advocate for decency <laughs>
2: yes uh, you get to make the world a kinder place
1: people do have an expectation that it's going to be about specific manners instruction and what i really hope that i'm able to deliver is something more than that that i'm able to talk to people about the importance of relationships and the human networks that support all of us and how investing in relationships in those networks can pay real rewards so i get to kind of Transition, I get to take this little turn. People pick up the phone thinking about forks, and they get an advocate for decency and kindness,
2: civility.
1: And that pays real rewards. There are genuine costs that you can avoid by paying attention to that as a business. There's
2: a whole book on that, The Cost of Bad Behavior.
1: One of my absolute favorites. It's it's
2: something we turn to a lot because this really is impacting businesses. And when you have a culture that isn't getting along smoothly, it's really hard to make money. (laughs) Like it just is.
1: (laughs) So here's the message that I like to deliver early on, which is that we're going to talk about manners. We're going to talk about how you structure emails and which fork you use if formal business dining is important to you. But we're also going to talk about relationship issues and difficulties. We're going to talk about why this material is important. And oftentimes the questions about how to format an email or which fork I should use are Common sense questions to a lot of people. Sometimes there's an aha moment. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a particular piece of information and a little light bulb goes on and someone says, oh, I've been doing it this way. I'm going to start doing it that way or it never occurred to me I'm going to do that. I'm going to write a thank you note or –
2: Not put my clutch on the table. I mean whatever it is.
1: (laughs) Those happen. Those are important. But I think as important is – the general reminder that we all have a pretty good idea how to use our cell phones well, and yet many of us use them rudely. I'm putting my hand up in the air (laughs) right now because I'm one of them. Nobody's perfect. And so often the more important message is that it's worth thinking about what you're doing. It's worth making choices that really value relationships and that it's important that whatever you do, you do it sincerely, that you operate from a place of integrity and honesty, And believe it or not, those are the three goals that I often leave people with at the start of a seminar. I encourage and challenge people to stop and think, make choices that build and grow relationships, and to do it sincerely.
2: The sincerity part is something that it's funny because a lot of people brush that last one off, and it's actually the key to the whole thing. Because if you can't come across as believable, as genuine – in your interactions with people whether it's the person sitting at the reception desk or it's the person who delivers the mail weekly or it's your boss
1: or the coworker the, you sit with and work with every day
2: whoever it is if if you can't convince them that you are sincerely sorry for something that just happened or that you really do believe in the project that they're proposing, Um, you're not going to be able to build trust. And business, we say this in our seminars, business is built on trust. You are talking about money and work and getting it done and getting it done on time and doing the best job that you can do so that both companies can do better at money and work. And when you don't feel the trust in a company, either between people or outwardly to another company. You, it's, it's palpable. It's like you can you can feel it when you walk into companies where that's going on and that sincerity. It's funny because it's so easy to just say, "Oh, just be honest." Oh, just be sincere. If you're not convincing in your sincerity, and that doesn't mean being desperate and saying, "I'm really sincere about this." It's about showing up with both your words and your actions to back up that sincerity. I think you you lose it. So that's it's funny, but it's it's like my favorite part of the three.
1: Well, it really addresses what many people see as a negative side of etiquette, that it's artificial. That these are rules oh, yeah. someone else came up with, they're from some other time, that they don't a, apply to me. A
2: veneer on the outside so that you can hold your judgment on the inside. Oh,
1: Really the the worst possible application of the idea of etiquette. Like
2: politeness is a crime.
1: (laughs) Getting beyond that is so, so, so important. Cindy Senning, my mother, has a really great example. She loves to say to people, oh, please, (laughs) the sarcastic, the insincere, please, if you were five years old and my mother were standing there, she would say the word's not magic, the magic's in you, (laughs) that it really (laughs) is the sincerity with which you're able to to say or express something that makes it magic and there is magic to it it's it's far from it's it couldn't be more removed from an artificial or put on idea that it really is that it comes from you and that you mean it that makes these things so significant and impactful whether it's that expression of gratitude whether it's the expression of appreciation or whether it's how you're listening to somebody
2: stop and think
1: Make Make choices. choices
2: that build relationships and do it sincerely.
1: Three goals, the microcosm, the distillation of an entire etiquette seminar into one postscript segment. Good luck. Go forth. Be polite.
0: Does she still make that little speech on office etiquette? Oh, yes. I know it by heart. First, of course, know your work. Enjoy it. But also enjoy the people you're working with. Be considerate of them. And be concerned of your employer. Those rules have certainly helped me. I shall always be grateful for them. We'll see you in the morning, then. Yes, I'll be here early. Fine.
2: You know, we like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing in the world. And ladies and gentlemen, I gotta say, you've got me worried. I am not seeing etiquette salutes hit our Awesome Etiquette inbox, and I, I need them. I need to feel like you're out there making the world a kinder, nicer place, and you're noticing the other people who are. Please save my Monday mornings, but send us your salutes. Take a moment. Think about some. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be huge. I mean, you've heard them on our show. They run the gamut from someone who helped with grocery bags into a car to people who made you know life-changing moments for other people, but... Tell us where you're seeing good etiquette out in the world, and please send it to us as soon as you can.
1: Today, we hear from Abby. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I send you this etiquette salute from a bus, feeling puffed out but very grateful. In my local area, there has recently been a new train line built, which has resulted in changes to some of the local bus routes and timetables. This morning, when I was waiting for my usual bus, I started becoming a little concerned that it hadn't arrived. Although its timing can vary, as it is a fairly quiet route, and the time it takes can depend on how many passengers get on and off during the trip. Aware of the changes, I consulted my travel app and concluded that I had missed the bus. So I decided to walk up to the main road where hopefully I would be able to catch another route. Lo and behold, when I got to the traffic lights, I saw my bus stopped, as it must have still been coming, but was running late, so the transport app thought that it was already gone. (laughs) Once the lights changed, I started running frantically in the hope that I would be able to flag down the bus at the next stop. Soon enough, it became clear that I would not be able to outrun a bus.
2: I hate that feeling.
1: (laughs) But to my surprise and delight, the driver must have noticed what I was doing and pulled in before the bus stop. He waited for me to sprint to the bus and hop on board, ensuring that I wouldn't be late to my class. I made sure to thank him profusely once I got on board for this was such a kind and thoughtful gesture from someone who clearly recognizes the vital and often thankless role which he plays in making sure that others have the rest of their days run smoothly with kindness abby
2: abby that's such a great salute is it is exactly the kind of thing we are hoping to hear about which is people taking a moment to notice each other and finding a way to make the day just a little bit better
1: abby thank you so much And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with friends and family and coworkers and on social media. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or send us a text to 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore
2: Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E.
1: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And on Instagram, we are Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. It helps with our podcast ranking. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and is assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks,
2: Thanks, Chris Chris and Bridget. Bridget.